So my advice would be go for it. It's never easy. You're never going to have everything lined out. You're never going to have enough money. You're never going to have enough time. Things will be difficult. Right. But right now, so many people are being pushed out of the market because they made poor investment decisions in the recent past that there's going to be a big opportunity for people willing to take those risks. Today's sponsor is El Primo Espresso Cafe. El Primo is doing everything they can to keep their employees paid and stay open as long as possible during this pandemic. They are also helping lead the front to support small business in Wichita during these hard times. Go check out El Primo at Central and Woodlawn or on the ground floor of the Epic Center downtown. Today's guest is Daniel Mariotti, owner of our sponsor El Primo. Daniel is a transplant to Wichita and after leaving for college and a few years after college, he came back and got into real estate. We talk about his journey into getting into the coffee industry and owning Il Primo and what it's like to run a business in Wichita in 2020. Enjoy my conversation with Daniel Mariotti. All righty. So I'm here with Daniel Mariotti. How are you doing, Daniel? I'm doing well. All right. We're glad to have you. been wanting to do this one for a while, so I'm glad we're finally getting it, even if we have to be at a socially safe distance. So Exactly. But um, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I, uh, I'm i a Kansas transplant. Um, I was born in Southern California, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, my whole family moved here uh, in 2001. Okay. So I'm the oldest of five. So with seven of us, it was definitely more economical to move to Kansas to, to grow a family than it was in Southern California. Sure. Um, and uh, so, you know, I went from living in a cul-de-sac off of off of the San Bernardino Mountains, you know, an hour and a half from mm-hmm. the beach to seven acres in the middle of nowhere. Right. So uh, it was uh, it was a little bit of a culture shock. Oh, I bet. Well, did you have any family in Kansas before that? Grandparents or anything? No. So my mom, um, my mom was raised in Johnson County. Okay. Um, and so she had lived here, uh, but her family had since moved back to Memphis. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and so it was. You know, it was a little bit of like sticking a dart on a map and and picking it. Uh, and, you know, I was young at the time, so it was the whole family didn't really have a choice. We were moving. Right. <laughs> That's understandable. Yeah. I actually, so, uh, my family actually moved to Wichita or Andover in 2001 as well from Nebraska. So oh, gotcha. about the same timeline. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. When the whole world was falling apart here in Kansas. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, it was, it was weird coming here and seeing that dynamic, you know, the Boeing shutting down and moving and, um, and the way that that kind of left a sour taste in everybody's mouth for a long time. Sure. You know, it it gave, it certainly gave me the impression that I wanted to get anywhere but here. Right. Um, there was no sense of pride in the city or the state. Um, and, um, so I, I finished out high school here. Um, and then went to college in Missouri. I actually went to College of the Ozarks. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, it's a work school. Yes, yeah. I was going to say, that's. I think that's about all I know about it. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's super cool. If you get accepted there, 
Um, there's about 1,500 students that go there. It's outside of Branson, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And um, what it, the whole campus is run by the students. Okay. Um, so mowing the lawns, milking the cows, you know, feeding everybody. Sure. Every possible thing that you could do uh, is done by the students, and that pays for your tuition. That's really cool, uh, yeah. So it was awesome. So I, I got to go there and got to graduate debt-free, which was a huge thing. Yeah, it's a blessing uh, for sure. Yeah, it was. I didn't didn't appreciate it as much at the time. Right. How big a deal that was. What was your um, degree? I was in international business management. Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So it, it sounded fun, and I wanted to travel. I wanted to do stuff. Yeah. Um. So so I got a degree in that, and then after that, um, I moved to Washington D.C. Uh, and worked out there for several years okay. as a uh, political fundraiser. Okay. Um, which was awesome. Yeah. Best job I've ever had. Um, I got to be a party planner essentially. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and so that was really cool. I got to kind of, you know, politics has always been a passion of mine. So kind of seeing how the sausage is made from, uh, you know, from the inside on how bills work and how people work across party lines, etc. Very interesting. Yeah. It was awesome. It was yeah. awesome. Um, but anyway, so I met my wife in Branson mm-hmm. and, uh, while I was going to school out there. And we moved together out to D.C. and quickly realized, even though I had a good job and was making good money, um, realized I couldn't really uh, grow something for myself. Um, I was I was spending a ton of money, you know, over half my paycheck every month to live in a C-class apartment. Right. <laughs> it was terrible. Right. Um, and so, you know, I talked uh, to my family and my father's always been involved in real estate. Um, and so there was an opportunity for us to move back to Wichita and kind of grow our own real estate portfolio here, rental properties, buying and selling, sure. uh, and some small commercial stuff. Um, and so we moved back almost five years ago now. Okay. Um, and, and jumped headfirst into the real estate business. Um, another one of the businesses I own is called Home Investors, okay. uh, or the Ugly Houses Company. Um, and it's a franchise business and we own the one here, um, for the central part of Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, we went from, you know, buying and selling four or five properties a year to well over 60. Wow. Um, and so we were able to kind of get involved when things were really, really good and really busy mm-hmm. uh, and grow ourselves from having no rental properties to dozens. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's been a real good thing for us. And are you, are you still in that market as well? Still doing the flips and buying and selling and. Yeah. Yeah. So we're still doing that. You know, things are, are weird right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that everything's kind of on ice. Uh, the real estate market itself is still considered an essential business. So it's still operating. Um, right. but, uh, it, there are a lot of things in the real estate market that are, uh, that are difficult right now, the coronavirus being one, right. um, but it's kind of compounded by everything else that's going on at the same time. Election year um, is always difficult in the real estate market because just like the stock market, uncertainty is, is terrible for it. Sure. Um, you know, during the 2016 uh, election, there was between June and the election in November, People stopped buying and selling. People froze. Interesting. Um, the, the retail market was still okay, but pe- but the investor market froze over. People mm-hmm. just weren't making decisions until they had certainty. Gotcha. Uh, and we were starting to feel that, 
uh, at the start of this year, but then the coronavirus has put everything on ice. Um, you know, there's still strong demand out there for the retail properties. Um, and of course, the investor market is still somewhat active, mm-hmm. but everything's gone on ice. I mean, it was going at 100 miles an hour and now it's going at five. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I, I definitely would have thought the, I mean, coronavirus is affecting anything and everything right now. But um, I guess I, I mean, I'm not into real estate. We are in a house now, but um, I didn't realize like election year had so much to do with the real estate market and everything like that. So it's interesting. Yeah, especially from an investment perspective. Yeah. Um, Because anytime you have the changing of the guard um, politically, people move their money accordingly. Right. Uh, You know, love him or hate him. Sam Brownback had passed some tax reform changes that allowed pass through income from rental properties to not be taxed at the same rate. Mm. And uh, two years ago that got repealed. So uh, once Laura Kelly changed that law and uh, uh, started taxing pass through income, Mm -hmm. they moved some of their money out of the rental portfolio market. Right. Um, So that changed it. And, uh, and, and then coming into the next election cycle, people are nervous about it again. Um, I will say that right now, with the stock market crashing, right, uh, there is a move into real estate. It's a much more secure, safe right. investment. Trying to diversify a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. Okay. Um, so switch the gears a little bit from real estate. So in, I believe it was February <laughs> of um, 2019, you bought your first El Primo. Is that correct? That first location. Um, can you just talk about why El Primo? Why a coffee shop? Did you ever think you'd own a coffee shop? Just tell me about that story. So, so it's a, it's the story of how I got El Primo is great because I live not too far from there, and I've been a customer for many many years. And uh, I'm I'm a big community guy. Community value. What whatever we can do to uh, to to build everybody up together and have places where uh, people can gather and support each other. Sure. And I had seen over the years as that place had kind of degraded, degraded, degraded to the point where the product was bad, the service was bad. Um, and overall, it was just a place where it wasn't working out. It right. just wasn't working out. I stopped going. Um, and then in, the, in December of, of 2018, the real estate market was a little slow mm-hmm. and I had twins on the way. So I was looking for something to diversify myself with. Sure. Uh, so... Uh, Fortunately, the previous owner um, lived out of state and was interested in, in moving on from it. Yeah. So we were able to work something out to where I could take it over. Yeah. Um, and so I took it over in February of 2019 and uh, really focused on bringing it back to life, you know, taking it from uh, a, a spot that was, you know, torn down, the, the interior of it was in real bad condition. And bringing it back to a point where people can be proud of it, and mm-hmm. people want to be there. Right. Very cool. Um, did you ever think you would own a coffee shop leading up to that? <laughs> no. You know, it's funny. I I have no experience in the in the food industry. Yeah. Um, and what I knew was it was an operational issue. People far and wide in Wichita know El Primo. It's the oldest coffee shop in town. It's been there before Starbucks was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got great brand loyalty. Right. What it needed was operational fixes. Right. It needed someone to be able to hold the staff accountable 
and it'd be hands-on. Right. Um, so I had no desire to own a coffee shop. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. It was a lot of learning right, right off of that. But uh, what I embraced was the concept that it had tremendous community value. Yeah. And that if I fixed the operations side of it, if I increased the quality of the product and the service, people would come back. Right. And may have. Right, for sure. There we go. Come back. Um, so I think besides some of the, just the operational stuff, and I mean, I go there quite a bit and there's a, I mean, a wide diverse menu and everything. Um, but another way that you kind of incorporated the community aspect was a lot of local art. Can you talk about that a little yeah. bit? Yeah. So um, again, a lot of learning on the go, but my focus when I took it over was to bring the community back to it. Mm -hmm. There are a thousand places that you can go and get a good cup of coffee, but there aren't as many places that embrace every aspect of the community inside of it. Mm -hmm. So it was important for me that I, that when I took it over, I bring local people in to showcase what, what, what's important to everyone in the community. Mm -hmm. So I brought in a bunch of local artists. Hunter Gramola is one of them. She yep. did the mural um, on the, on the big wall. Uh, she did the mural in the back of our logo. Mm -hmm. Um, she's also done some artwork for some of our coffee bags, which is great. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it was astounding to me, the response I got from people once I started bringing in that local art, because people like to be able to see their stuff on the walls and they like to be able to appreciate other people's, uh, uh, contributions to the community where they get to go and enjoy a good cup of coffee or, or a nice meal. Right. And I think, I mean, addition and kind of go in the direction of what I do, but it's been awesome too, just whenever I've gone in there, because I've recorded, I don't know, five or 10 podcasts there. And it's cool because somebody's always, when I'm setting up there, even just the clientele that you have is like, oh, hey, what are you, what are you up to? Like, oh, that's so cool. I'll have to check that out. And it's just cool to see the support from even just the clientele that's in there at six in the morning or six in the evening. It's cool to see who comes in. Yeah, no, it's great because that's, you know, coffee shops are the places where people gather these right. days. Um, you know, we're so disconnected as a society now. Everybody has a phone, has social media. We talk about social distancing right now, but honestly, if we look at it, we've been social distancing for a long time. Yeah. Um, the only difference is now we're told to stay home as right. opposed to doing it on our own. And, um, the one place where people continue to gather are coffee shops, restaurants, bars, etc. So for me to be able to give people a place where they're comfortable, that has a great atmosphere to continue to gather and share things together. Yeah. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Um, and then, so, I mean, you didn't own El Primo for a year and you expanded downtown. What was the mentality behind that? Are you planning more expansions? What does that look like? Yeah, so we were really fortunate. We were approached by uh, the Ruffin Company mm -hmm. uh, to open downtown in the Epic Center. And, um, you know, again, I knew nothing about the restaurant industry at, <laughs> at that time and really took a leap of faith on it. Yeah. Um, and that location's different in that it's a kiosk operation. So we operate on the ground floor of the Epic Center mm -hmm. um, and we mostly service the clientele in the building. And, um, I was surprised when we started that really people were hungry for a good quality food product, good coffee, as quick as they could possibly get it. Right. We're, we're, we're at a point in our professional careers where taking the one 
one and a half hour lunches is a thing of the past. We right. want to get as much as we possibly can done in the time that we have to do it and then move on. Right. And so it, it really served the building well, and we've been able to succeed because of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and just to touch on that, um, just so if people don't know about El Primo or don't know about those locations, it is pretty much a full food menu, right? I mean, you can get, I mean, lunch, sandwiches, whatever for lunch and everything. Yep. Breakfast and lunch, uh, we're open from seven to two, Okay, uh, Monday through Friday, and you can get it, whatever you need here. It is open to the public. Um, but the vast majority of our clients are here in the building. Sure. Are you, are you looking at expanding? I mean, maybe not right now because of everything that's going on, but are there plans in the future to try to maybe like a West location or anything like that? Yeah, so we've been approached about opening another location on the east side in one of the other office buildings. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, you know, stay tuned for that. There's a good possibility that that happens here in the next couple months. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been looking at a couple of west side locations, but again, it has to be a good fit for us. Absolutely. You know, um, the the coronavirus has kind of thrown a wrench in a lot of things. Yeah. Um, But we're, we're heavily focused on taking care of our employees, uh, and, and making sure that they're doing well during all of this too. Right. And that's important because I think there are a lot of companies that, I mean, whether they wanted to or not, but they had to chop a lot of staff and a lot, a lot of part-time people. And yeah. Yeah. You know, we, uh, so that was, that's been a really deep struggle for me personally as well. Um, because, uh, you know, when, when all this started coming down, we were on the front lines and there was the very, true reality that we would probably have to start cutting staff and and cutting things back and maybe look at shutting our doors as well. And, um, we got together as a team and just decided that until they lock the doors behind us, we're going to keep things going. Yeah. We're not making money. We're, we're struggling like everyone else is. But, um, I told the staff that, that my commitment to them when I hired them was to make sure that they got paid. Right. And, And so, we're going to do that until there's no more money left. Sure. Um, and just to touch on that a little bit more, um, you guys put up a sign and you guys, like you said, you're kind of at the forefront of pushing to help support the local small businesses, not just yourself, but everybody um, with the, we will persevere sign. And just, I mean, again, just supporting everyone else. Um, how can people help support you guys and everybody else? I know you guys have your drive through open, um, but what are the, what are those ways that people can help you guys? Yeah, just just keep coming through the drive-through. Yeah. Know, if you can come see us. Um, if you can't, um, you know we understand that we're just we're here um, to to kind of be a beacon of hope. That's why we put the sign up there. Um, you know, in in all of the struggles that we've had as a country, um, we we've been knocked down time and time again throughout our history. You know, world wars, nine eleven, Vietnam, every struggle that we've had from natural disaster to man-made. Um, we've, we've been knocked around, but we've always come together. And, um, so I wanted to put something out there to kind of say, listen, we're going to get through this. We will persevere through this. Yeah. We're all in this together. Um, and, and, uh, at at some point when we come out the back end of this, we'll all be better for it. Absolutely. Um, just to touch on a couple more things, business related, I mean, obviously again, besides kind of the COVID stuff going around right now, the last, I mean, even since I was in high school 10 years ago, there has been that resurgence of kind of city pride and now like even more like small business entrepreneurs. What do you think the status of all that stuff is in Wichita is, or 
where do you see that going? I know it's kind of a hard question to answer on the spot, but like, again, we've seen kind of a resurgence in like, I mean, cool coffee shops or like microbreweries. Do you see, do you have any idea what direction that could be going? Yeah. So, um, that was one of the reasons why it made sense for me to get involved in the coffee shop. Wichita has so much more pride than it did years ago. And the development that you're seeing in Wichita is a result of that pride. Right. And, and, and it, it really lends to a, 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 a fertile ground for growth for right. entrepreneurs and small businesses, coffee shops, et cetera. Um, I, I think that in light of the coronavirus, there's going to be some struggle for mm-hmm. a lot of those businesses. I know personally, I have a lot of friends who are struggling with it, but um, I hope that as we kind of get out of this, um, it's an opportunity for, for the people who invested correctly and were careful right. to, to have even better growth than they would have had before. Sure. Um, I, I see only positivity as far as opportunity um, at, during this and after this. Um, but I think in the short term, it, it is going to set uh, a lot of that back, at least for the next year. Right. Which I think you can, I mean, you can kind of look at it like the economy, right? If you, it's going to go down and it looks, I mean, it could be down 30% right now, but it's like, if you stay the course and you keep, keep going as you would, eventually the gains will come back and even bigger at some point. Exactly. Exactly. It's all about being conservative. Right. Uh, and, and making sure that you don't overextend yourself. Yep. Um, what advice would you have for entrepreneurs then kind of coming out of this or just in kind of in general, if this wasn't happening, what advice would you have for a first time entrepreneur in Wichita in 2020? Uh, I think, I think the advice I would have is, is, is go for it. Um, you know, right now we're, we're at such a beautiful stage of, of, of life in our economy and in the world. Technology is taking off in ways that we couldn't have imagined it 10, 5, 20 years ago. And, and it leads to such low barriers of entry for such for so many different industries. Right. And um, so my advice would be go for it. It's never easy. You're never going to have everything lined out. You're never going to have enough money. You're never going to have enough time. Things will be difficult. Right. But right now, so many people are being pushed out of the market because they made poor investment uh, decisions in, in the recent past that there's going to be a big opportunity for people willing to take those risks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything else you want to touch on with the coffee shop before we switch gears a little bit? Um, I think, uh, I think the only thing that, that I would say is um, we're making a commitment to keep all of our employees paid through this time. And uh, it's, it's not easy. Um, I can tell you that the coffee shop itself doesn't support it. Um, but we're doing it because that was the commitment that we made to the team. And um, every single one of those people is the reason why the coffee shop is successful or exists at all. Yeah. And so we're going to keep making sure that everybody gets paid until, until we get back to normal. Awesome. And I mean, that not only builds a loyal, I mean, employee base, but I think that again, just builds into the community that you took over and that you've kind of helped flourish even more. That's just going to continue to build on itself. Um, so to mix it up a little bit, these are some questions that I kind of um, borrowed from some other podcasts and that kind of thing. Um, but what is something that you often recommend to people, um, whether it's a book or a podcast or anything like that? 
So uh, the first thing that, that, that I always recommend to people who are, who are looking at being entrepreneurs or, or, mm-hmm. uh, uh, or kind of going off on their own in different things is uh, to uh, get involved with uh, David Kiyosaki, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yep. kind of educate yourself on the difference between uh, the difference in, in business methods between David Kiyosaki and, uh, uh, oh man, I'm going to forget his name now. Uh, but there's uh, another gentleman who uh, preaches debt-free uh, living. Uh, Dave uh, Ramsey? Dave Ramsey. Yep. And, and the differences between those methods, because you have to decide early on which direction you're going to go. And those two differences will determine how your business grows. One of them leverages debt, yep. leverages opportunity, and the other one focuses on a really conservative manner of, of cash, 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 cash. And you need to understand those two differences before you make any decisions moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is a favorite failure in any aspect <coughs> of your life? Um, I'd say the, the biggest uh, failure that I've had that was uh, a big learning experience for me was a partnership that fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, I, I had been involved in a partnership in the real estate industry uh, and, and it ended up falling apart and lost a lot of money because of it. Um, but the lesson that I came out of it was uh, that no matter how much you feel like you've lost, there's still so many lessons to learn during those difficult times. Right. Um, you know, even the times that we're going through right now, we're bleeding money every single day. It's tough out there. But every single day we learn lessons about each other, about ways to, to streamline things where, you know, we may have been a little lax on our spending or there, there, there are things that we can cut back and learn from so that when times are good, we're still lean. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing is you come out and you're a lot more lean, but you're optimized, which will help when things are good and booming here in the next few months, hopefully. Yeah. What is your definition of success? That's hard. Um, That's hard for me because personally, um, you know, my wife tells me this all the time. Um, It'll be difficult for me to ever see success because I look at success as having another opportunity. Hmm. Um, I, I'll, I'm the type of person that will never be satisfied with having what I have now, right? Not because I want more, but because I use it to build to the next thing, yeah. to the next project, to the next opportunity. So for success for me is how it is succeeding in what I'm doing to where I can have the next opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is a life motto that you live by or what is some of the best advice that you've ever received? Um, so (laughs) this one is probably not for everybody, but, um, in college, uh, I had one class, uh, it was a corporate finance class and, uh, I learned the time value of money principle. Mm -hmm. And that is the most important thing to me in my life period. And what it states is that the, the value of money that you have today is exponentially higher than the money that you'll have tomorrow because you can invest the money that you have today to create returns mm-hmm. for tomorrow. Yeah. And um, that's a principle that I've lived by since I started in the real estate business, and it will serve everyone well to learn that principle. Sure. Do you think most people understand that, or do you think that's something that not the majority don't understand? 
No, I don't think the majority understand that. Though. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's different than saying, if only I had money today, I'd be fine. Well, it's not, I'm, I'm not talking about money that you have today to live or right. money that you have today to pay your bills. It's about the opportunity that you can create with what you have today. Yep. Build on what you can have tomorrow. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 one of those things that that defers temporary um, joy, right, for future growth. Sure. Yeah, and I think that's really important. Uh, what is a habit that you've developed over the past few years that's most improved your life? Uh, getting up every single day, ready to go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there especially as an entrepreneur, there's an opportunity to become lax in what you're doing. Yeah. Lax in how you're living, what your routine is, what your schedule is, because you set it yourself. Right. Um, but for me, early on, I had to plan to get up, get out of bed, and be at work by a certain time every morning. Sure. And then um, getting up, getting dressed, being ready for the day every single day has has set the bar for me to be able to move forward and be productive every day. Yeah. As a practical tip or step, um, do you plan like the night before or like Sunday leading into the week? Do you plan out the week? How do you plan for your day, your work day or work week? Yeah. So my, my days are so scattered. Um, I tell people I'm always and never available. Yeah. Uh, So um, creating a calendar, Google calendar is super easy to use and is a great resource. I started using that several years ago and that's made my life so much easier. Everything goes on my Google calendar Mm -hmm. Um, and that's made it to where I can look toward, you know, in the evening, I look towards the next day, understanding that I've got these five or six things that I have to be prepared for, for the next day. Yeah. And it also, you know, it gives you, once you start using it regularly, it gives you a guideline for your week, your month, and what you need to accomplish during that time. Yeah. I know, uh, at least one person, if not multiple people that I've interviewed before, um, Jason Taves being one of them, he, if it's not on the Google calendar, it doesn't exist. So he's right. pretty religiously. So I, I need to get more into that. I've tried it a little bit, but I think I need to make that a habit. That'd be helpful. It's, it's you know, it's so easy because uh, it, it's integrated with everything, but it keeps you on time. It keeps you notified and it keeps you engaged with all those small tasks. Right. It's helped me to stop procrastinating. Yeah. Because if there's a task that I need to accomplish, it goes on the Google calendar for a certain time during the day. When it comes up, that's the time I need to accomplish that, whether I like it or not. Yep. Makes sense. Um. I just have a few more questions about Wichita. Um, so what is your favorite part of Wichita or do you have a hidden gem or hidden restaurant or again, however you want to interpret hidden gem? Um, well, I think as far as a small thing in Wichita, that's kind of a hidden gem. The candle club's amazing. Okay. If you've never been there, it's I have at not. the corner of uh, 13th and Woodlawn. Okay. Uh, in the back yeah, yeah. of the street. Um, yeah. Great food. Uh, it's an old speakeasy. Okay. Uh, I haven't and, heard of this one, so. Yeah, it's been around forever. It was started as a speakeasy. Very cool. It's one of the only places. Actually, it is the only place in Wichita where you can still smoke inside. It was Interesting. Really? Um, so it's got great food. It's an awesome place. I love everything about it. Um, as far as my favorite part of Wichita, I'd have to say it's probably the College Hill area. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm in real estate. I'm a housing geek. And I love architecture. And there's so many great homes, beautiful buildings. 
uh, in that area that I think are underappreciated in a lot of ways. Yeah, I don't think it gets much more unique as far than the College Hill neighborhood. I mean, every house is different. They all different layout. They're all older homes. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and they're all beautiful in their own way. Right. Um, is there anything you wish Wichita had that it doesn't? Or what would you improve about Wichita? I think the one thing that I think Wichita uh, needs to work on is getting some of the um, some of the founding fathers of Wichita to embrace uh, building the city spirit a little bit more. Okay. I, think there are, I think there are certain people in Wichita that uh, um, have immense influence and financial resources that, for whatever reason, have chosen not to be a large part of developing the city. Sure. Um, and there are plenty of examples that you can look at in other cities, uh, Omaha, and uh, Berkshire Hathaway, yeah, uh, Oklahoma City, and Aubrey McClendon, um, and I think that that Wichita needs some of those people to step up and um, really focus on developing the city at its core. Sure. Um, just one last question: What does Wichita mean to you? Uh, it means family and opportunity. Um, you know, it's it's the most perfect place that I've found to raise a family in a community that embraces family. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's a place where you can uh, live reasonably um, and, and grow with what you have. Yeah. You know, whether you've got a job where you make $30,000 a year or $100,000 a year, there's opportunities for you to own your own home uh, and, and be able to build wealth for yourself and your family. Sure. Awesome, Daniel. This was really fun. Um, I appreciate you coming on. Um, where can people find you? I know there's several social media, Il Primo ICT, I believe. Where can people yep. find the Il Primo stuff? Yeah, so they can find it at Il Primo ICT on Twitter and Instagram and Il Primo Espresso Cafe on Facebook. Awesome. And I will link all that stuff up and I'm sure we'll be doing some more giveaways and stuff soon. So um, I really appreciate you coming on and telling the story and I'm sure we can have you on again in a few months when things are rolling and rocking and rolling again. So. Sounds great. Thank you, yep. Thanks, Daniel. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Thank you again to everyone that listened to this episode of the Wichita Life Podcast. If you enjoyed, please rate and review our podcast on whatever app you use. If you have any recommendations, please reach out at wichitalifeict at gmail.com. Thanks again.